We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined by Kyle Porter. Kyle, I want to hear about Pebble Beach and your trip, but I just wanted to inform you that uh, I'm changing the name to the Swing and Pete podcast. This is now a Victor Hovland and Matthew Wolf podcast exclusively. Yeah, it is. That's all we. T- that's all we talk about. I mean, in some ways, I mean, people probably are tired of us talking about golf, but look, like that's been one of the biggest OSU storylines of the spring. You know, like legitimately, and and. When it kind of diverges with my job and your interests, it's like, well, you know, this is this is what we do. But yeah, we're going to talk a little Gundy, talk a little hoops. We're going to call Marshall Scott later. But do you want to start on the U.S. Open, Carson? I do. Um, I'm disappointed in, in Tiger Woods, but it was an incredible event. Uh, you were there. It looked spectacular on television. I thought Fox's drones kind of gave it a new look, and uh, it looked spectacular. But uh, what was it like being there? Uh, it it was. You know, I'd never been out there. The the thing I've been kind of saying, and I said to you off the air, is it's kind of like Disney, through where you're like, okay, this is this like kind of overdone and maybe a little overrated. Should it cost six hundred dollars to play there? Yeah, I don't I don't know about that, but that doesn't mean it's also not still awesome. I mean, it's it's and I just said this to you, but holes four through ten are, I mean, that's as good as it gets. It's 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 unbelievable, and I thought Fox did a great job of just kind of capturing that with their drone footage. It, it, it was, it was special being out there. It felt different. You, you know, we, we go to, we go to Pittsburgh, we go to Long Island, we go to these places where you're like, okay, you know, whatever. And then you get out there and you're like, okay, like this is, <laughs> this is where I want to be. My introduction, I get there on Tuesday night. First thing I do on Wednesday is I go walk uh, the back nine or part of the back nine with, uh, with the OSU group, which was, which was Ricky, uh, Austin Ekro, Hovland, and then, uh, DJ was playing with them. Uh, it was, it was a really kind of interesting group, I guess. And, and I talked to, to Alan Bratton a little bit, talked to Hovland a little bit. Um, so yeah, that, that was, that was kind of a cool deal to, to get to walk that with them and, and Braden kind of warned me about the Hovland thing going in. He, he was like, look, I don't know how this is going to go, but he has played more competitive rounds here than most pros, which I thought was a really good point because, uh, he played the, or he won the USAM there. Uh, they have a college event there. I mean, pros at most, they'll play two rounds a year. If they play the, the Pebble beach pro-am Hovland had a ton of experience on that course. And, and I thought it shined through with the way he played. Well, yeah, you just go back to the the USAM, Kyle. He didn't trail a hole in match play all the way through, it felt like. I think he'd ever trailed, and he just dominated that course in the AM. And, you know, Hovland just – we've talked so much about Matthew Wolf, and and rightfully so. We we both think he's got superstar written all over him. But, man, he – we probably haven't talked enough about how good Victor Hovland was. I mean, he – after all, he was the number one amateur in the world – he was the number one golfer on the team. That's, a, that's the, the name that came out of Alan Bratton's name or mouth first when he was doing match play. And then he, he wins a low am at the Masters, which was an incredible accomplishment. And then he does this. I mean, he was at one point he was in the top 10. He led strokes gained tee to green by two full shots. The guy is ready to win right now on the PGA Tour. That's That's what we're dealing with here. I thought... He could not have been more impressive, and it was really a cool way for him to end his amateur status. I know he couldn't collect the check because that's the only way, reason he got into the tournament was winning the USAM, 
But man, I, I could not be more impressed with him. I think he's ready to win right now on the PGA Tour. I agree. I think that he, I mean, and his odds going into Travelers this week reflected that. He's 60 to 1 to win. You know, that, and that sounds like a high number, but that's with guys like Brant Snedeker, who's won eight or nine times on the PGA Tour. I mean, he, he is, he's really good. And there, I'll, I'll say this there is some behind the scenes chatter about, about the Wolf Hovland thing of like, are we sure that Wolf is the better prospect here? <laughs> you know, like, and I, I still think he probably is, uh, but I don't know, man. It's, <laughs> I feel like we can't – and Sean Martin had this tweet today. He said – or this was yesterday. Victor Hovland and Matthew Wolf played nine college events together this season. They were 4-4-1 four, four, and one against each other. They were separated by eight strokes in those 26 rounds. <laughs> wow. So I, I just – as high as Wolf's ceiling is, I think that the way that Hovland played this spring and summer, or really just the time leading up to the U.S. Open, or through the U.S. Open, I, for me, that kind of redefined what he can be as a pro. Yeah, I mean, they're, as that stat from Sean illustrated, they're, they're practically the same player, it just looks different. Yeah. They, they get the same results. Like, Wolf's obviously longer, but Hovland's not short. I mean, he hits it a long way, too. Did you and I think. Do did, did you see the photo that was going around of uh, Hovland compared to to DJ their swings? I did. I saw you guys retweeted that. How the good, the cocked wrist looked how, the exact same. How good was that? Yeah, you don't you don't think of him as like a DJ, right? But he is. He does hit it a long way. And uh, they're both, you know, Hovland and Wolf are, are making their debuts today on on Thursday. Uh, it was cool to see Kyle. They've they've kind of gotten some money. Uh, Hovland signs with Ping. He's also rocking the, the Jay Lindbergh, which is just perfect, which people don't know. It's like a, I think it's like a Swedish company, kind of Scandinavian, which is yeah. obviously where, where Hovland's from. I thought that was perfect. And then um, Matthew Wolf's tailor-made, and he's wearing Nike, but they haven't announced anything. But I would I would expect an announcement soon that he's signed with Nike because he's, he's swooshed out, which you know I like. Yeah, the Nike thing was weird. I was texting with somebody who knows about this stuff and he said he's been kind of thrown off by the fact that he's wearing a tailor-made hat but nike because nike's usually like you would wear the hat right but he's like i don't know like the whole thing and they haven't said anything i i don't i don't totally know what's going on there but he both of those guys uh start earning a lot of money this week for um for their abilities in in golf which is a great thing Mm-hmm. Well, this is this is what it's like to be Matthew Wolf. You know, I had some friends that had played with the OSU team recently, and they were playing. And, and this kind of this old guy was kind of riding in the cart with Wolf. And one of my friends asked one of the players on the team, like, "Who's that guy? Is that is that Wolf's grandpa?" Or, and he just kind of shrugged and goes, "Nah, that's, that's a Nike rep." He's like, oh. <laughs> he's like, "Oh, is he trying to get him to?" He's like, "Yeah, they're trying to get him to sign. I guess I don't know." <laughs> he just kind of blew it off, like, "Oh, it's just." It's a it's a casual Tuesday with with Nike just riding in the cart with you. That's that's the different world in which you know it is to be Matthew Wolf. I think the way that they're both going into their pro careers, just the attitude they're both taking, is fascinating. So with Wolf, it's like he mentioned Tiger on Wednesday, and he said he said, "Look, I go out and I expect to win this tournament, the Travelers." He's like, "That's the attitude that Tiger took. If if I'm not if I'm not going out expecting to win, then what am I doing out here?" And you're like, "Okay." Yeah. And then uh, Jonathan Wall had a really good story on um, on Hovland about how he chose Ping equipment or how he signed with Ping to play their equipment. 
And Hovland basically said, like, I don't, I'm not very methodical. Like, I just kind of, just whatever. Like, I, I, you know, I find something, I pick it, I put it in the bag, and, and off we go. And he's just got, like, they both in different ways have, to me, like, a, a really, really good demeanor and kind of mental side for, for going on to play professional golf. Yeah, I think they're both built for it mentally as well as, obviously, their talent. Uh, it was a big weekend, Kyle, too, for, for swinging Pete. You know, DJ Pihowski from the No Laying Up pod. <laughs> Uh, you know, it seems like every time Hovland would play in a tournament or Wolf and the, the Swing and Pete would be on TV, people just have fallen in love. It was it was a big weekend for uh, for Swing and Pete as well. Yeah, it was great. Uh, you know, Austin Eckert missed the cut. Alex Norn missed the cut. But Charles Howell made it. Talked to him for a little bit. And, uh, yeah, Hovland got a ton of TV time. Uh, that was cool. Uh, that, that was fun to see. And, you know, it, it, there's – there's a, I think there's a little bit of a sadness to it, like that whole thing ending. Like that was it for him as an amateur, and it was it was the perfect way to, for it to end. But that's a very like you're on to a very very different stage of your life now, and I don't know. There's something to me like kind of romantic about amateur golf and Pebble and and that whole deal. Um, so I don't know. It, it was it was a perfect way for it to end uh, for him to finish in the top twelve and shot a sixty seven on Sunday. It's unbelievable. Yeah, he, he mentioned that, that it was, like, he was asked about after the tournament just how well he did. And he was like, well, it's kind of sad. He's like, coach was on my bag for the last time. This is it. This is, it's over. And he kind of had that uh, that graduation feel to it. And I wanted to ask you, did you talk to Alan Bratton about just, like, wh- what sense did you get from him just on the weekend and just moving forward? Did you talk to anything big picture-wise with him? No, I didn't talk to him on the weekend. I was, I was, uh, trying to ingrain myself in the Kepka camp, uh, with him going for three in a row. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't get a chance to, to chat with him on Saturday or Sunday. I mostly talked to him early, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, that kind of thing. But you know, he, 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 every time you talk to him, he, he defers everything like onto his players. That, that was kind of the thing that I walked away from, from my conversation with him thinking is like, he always talks about these guys, how, how good they are, you know, just how, you know, how proud he is of them for, for being out there or whatever. So that, that was cool to see from him. And it, and it is so interesting to watch them like interact with Fowler, who's been out there for forever now, you know, um, and just kind of the, you know, I think we think of like, oh, OSU's got so many guys on tour and you're like, kinda, I mean, they got Hal, they got Fowler. They got Alex Noren, who hasn't been doing a lot. Mayhan's, you know, up and down. Uh, I miss it. Peter Ewan's not super relevant right now, anyway. So it'll be interesting to see. Like, it feels like there's some like genuine excitement about these guys, kind of uh, moving on to hopefully contending on the PGA Tour. Do you think Bratton entertained the idea of just being a caddy for for Hovland? Make more money. It probably pays better. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean, he could have made three hundred thousand dollars last weekend if he was a pro. Hovland, by the way, is uh, two under through his first thirteen holes as a professional at the Travelers. Pretty good. He's Second creeping through. up on the leaderboard. Yeah. Um, okay, we've got. Did you see this Mike Gundy article that was written? Uh, so Bill Haston and Barry Trammell had kind of a. Uh, what, what am I trying to say? A conference call with Gundy last week, and they both wrote about this. Did you did, were you able to read this article? 
I would I did. It was fascinating. What was your biggest takeaway? Oh, probably you know, there was so much in it, but probably the fact that Gundy is kind of uh, reneged on the fact that he's not going to retire anytime soon. Yeah, because he he had mentioned before that you know he was not going to be a Bill Snyder. He was not going to coach into his sixties, and you know he's into his fifties now, to where that that becomes more of a conversation. I don't know if if those quotes were being used against him in recruiting or if he just feels differently. Probably probably the latter. He probably just feels. Like I think Gundy realizes that he's going to be bored to tears mm. if he retires. Like you can only ranch for so long without needing something to do, and I think he kind of kind of realized that. But that to me was by far the most fascinating part because I kind of like I kind of considered you know life after Gundy here in the next few years. You and I've talked about that. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we, the the way that we always talked about it was as if it was. Uh, at most like five years left and that's not the way he sort of painted himself in the article I thought what was also interesting is like I feel like everybody involved is just uh, assuming that Gundy is just like good like whoever the athletic director is is just fine with Gundy being the coach and it's like well what if they what if it goes badly over the next couple of years and they don't renew that five-year contract that it, it just it, it was it was framed as if like Gundy's just going to be here until he doesn't want to be here anymore. Right. And I, I, that's probably true, but maybe not, you know, uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I I thought that part of it was interesting. Well, the, they're married and they're, they're going to stay married until, you know, breakups are hard. I mean, just look at Bill Snyder at Kansas state. There was some some real tension there. You know, he wanted his son to take over for him. You, you kind of had the, the Sean Sutton aspect to it. So, I mean, it's going to end poorly, however it ends, but um, it seems as if he's, he seems energized by this. I did think it was interesting to read, too. You know, there, there's, we can talk about whatever else you want to, but the, the replacement candidates that, that Bill Haston brought yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Todd Munkin, who's 53 years old, which, you know, by the time Gunny retires, he'll be pushing 60 as well. And Zach Robinson, who is apparently like an up-and-comer now. He was working for Pro Football Focus for a while, but now he's with the Rams, which if you ever meet Sean McVay like once, you immediately become a head coach in the NFL. So (laughs) that's kind of how it works now. If you just know Sean McVay, you get a head coaching job. So he's going to be on the fast track in the NFL too. Yeah, uh, Barry Trammell mentioned that Sean Gleason, I guess, had told Gundy he was too old to be an NFL coach. Sean Gleason's like 34. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which I, which is a, a sense of humor that I definitely appreciate. The Zach thing surprised me because I feel like we do this thing with Zach where you know how fans just like start throwing out names for like future coaches. It's like, Oh yeah. Brandon Whedon can coach. It's like, well, has he ever, does he even want to coach? Like, Oh yeah. Brandon Whedon will probably <laughs> be the head coach someday. You're like, okay. Uh, but with Zach, it, it, I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't think that name would have been floated out there unless there was some sort of desire for Gundy from Gundy for it to be floated out there, if that makes sense. Why wouldn't you just float out JW? Well, and that's <laughs> that's, the, like, that's like the new message board candidate. Uh, JW Walsh, new new coach. Well, that's the other thing is like I want like if you if you would have said this article is coming out and an old OSU quarterback will be mentioned as a potential future head coach at Oklahoma State, you would have bet J.W. Walsh, right? Yeah, because he's currently coaching in college. Yeah, yeah, 
and that's not that's not how it went. And uh, who who would you rather have out of those two? By the way, Todd, Todd Munkin or Zach Robinson? Well, I mean, Munkin's far more proven. I mean, Zach's just getting started in coaching. This is his first year of coaching, really. Uh, he has coached quarterbacks for a long time, as far as like you know, getting ready for for college and stuff like that. But Munkin would be just so much fun, and <laughs> I mean, he would talk trash. He would just throw bombs. It would be fascinating, and yeah. I think. I think Munkin will be a head coach soon if, if things work out with the Browns. I mean, he gets to coach Baker, which is kind of a crazy bedlam turnabout, right? How Todd Munkin's coaching Baker Mayfield, that's kind of a bizarro world. It is. It really is. Can you imagine the the Lincoln-Riley Todd Munkin? Like, just, oh, man. It would, be, it would be sick. It'd be a war. It a would... war of words, a war on the field. I mean, sign me up. It would be awesome. I, I, I gotta say, like, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I think to be a head coach, you have to have a specific demeanor and just sort of the way you go about things, and a, a very, a, like, a very engaging, almost gregarious personality. And I, that's never how I viewed Zach Robinson. Yeah, and, I agree and, with that. And maybe. Maybe that doesn't matter. Maybe I'm sort of misinterpreting the situation, but he's just so he's so laid back and just kind of like it, it. He doesn't strike me as somebody who is just like has the intensity that you need to be a head coach. Not that he wouldn't be good at it. I, I have no idea if he would, but I've never like viewed his personality that way. I agree with that, and that was kind of my first reaction when I saw his name. I was like, oh, I hadn't really thought about that. I hadn't yeah. really thought about him in that role. But I will say this, uh, I mean, with the hires that Mike Holder's made in every other sport, like, I'm 10 times more confident than I was. Remember back, coming off the 2011 season, um, and they were having contract problems, I was concerned about who Mike Holder would hire if Gundy were to leave. Mm. Like, I, I don't think I'm worried about that at all anymore with some of the hires he's made. He, he seems to have found... He seems to know what he's looking for in a coach. You look at Mike Boynton, yeah. Kenny Gajewski, who we had on the podcast. I mean, I'm I'm super confident in if Gundy does leave. And I, I just trust Mike Holder at this point to make a good, really good hire. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, there was something else in this article. I don't, I don't remember what it was, and I can't find it right now. Uh, I guess, I don't know. Part of my deal is like, what if... Like, what if they go five and seven this year? <laughs> you know, they're not and, going five and seven. Come well, on. yeah, probably not. But do we know the quarterback's good? Whoever it is, we don't know that. Like, they're, like that's like at least on the table, right? I mean, is it is it not on the table? You don't. You, I don't. You I don't think five think so. and seven. Their schedules. Their schedules pretty easy. Yeah, that's yeah, true. He, he but did what's, say your, what's your overall point here? Well, he's like if, how poorly the Gundy thing can go. Yeah. Again, it goes back to like framing it as like Gundy can be here as long as he wants. It's like, well, what if they go five and seven, three years in a row, then what, <laughs> you know, uh, he did say, uh, he said, it's always interesting in Stillwater. We know that we're one or two players or three players away from sometimes an 11 win season or a six win season, but that makes it fun for us. Okay. So this, <laughs> This is problematic because, well, they could go five and seven. I'm looking at the schedule. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. This, this, this phrase, this, the way he said this is problematic, though, because 
you don't want to be one or two or three players away from an 11 win season or a six win season. That is not good. That is not like, and, but I feel like he's, he's almost saying like, ah, it's more exciting this way. It's more fun or just recruit better. Just get better guys. How about that? Yeah. Like, um, couldn't you see Holder hiring a Boyton at football? Like how, how much fun would that be? Like I look, we, we're we're well on the record here that we like Gundy and he's he's fun to cover. But imagine if they got like a Boynton type that just recruited the lights out. Like, cause look at we're going to talk with Marshall Scott about what Boynton's been doing on the recruiting trail. But like, how how thrilling would that be after years of Gundy not necessarily not trying, but he's he's certainly set in his ways with recruiting. Mm-hmm. That would be fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would. I, I think my last thing from this, and we'll end the Gundy talk on this, unless you have something else, is just what an institution he's become because we, we, we always i don't know we always view him as like oh this you know young gunslinger like as a quarterback as a coach as as all these different things and all of a sudden you turn around and you're like wait a second he's been here for a long time and he's the second longest tenured coach in college football i think crazy or third crazy. i think third behind gary patterson and kirk ferentz and you know, uh, Barry Trammell ended his article like this. He, he basically said, like, this is somebody that most of us have known since he was a boy. And now, you know, he's probably going to coach at OSU until he's 60 years old. And it's just for me, there's a real like passage of time there to where you're like, oh, man, this is like life is short. Like I'm talking like outside of football. It's just it's a it's a weird thing because you, you view it through the prism of this other person's life. And then you and then you think about your own life, and you're like, "Wow, this is really short," you know. And uh, I don't know. I just thought about that as I was kind of reading through some of this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I was you and I were in, were in college when he was hired. Yeah, just uh, and they still had the old Rustoleum Stadium back then, so <laughs> life moves pretty fast. Uh, okay, real quick, let's get to this week's OSU schedule. Brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner. Be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Carson, can you give me the date of the next Oklahoma State athletic competition, athletic event? Athletic event. It would be OSU soccer on August 19th. It's pretty close. OSU soccer, August 16th. Wow, that was a really good guess, wasn't it? That was incredible. I just remember being in college, like the first week of school or second week, the, the soccer team would play and everybody would go out there. That's how I remember that. Yeah, and they play they play Bedlam like before school starts. You're like, wait a second, what, what's going on here? <laughs> uh, so yeah, nothing nothing between now and then. It's crazy that we have what is that uh, sixty days and fifty five days until then. Uh, we do have, as we talked about earlier, Victor Hovland, Matthew Wolf, professional debuts on Thursday and Friday, at least in the Travelers Championship. And Hovland is early, late on th- on Thursday, Friday, and Wolf is late, early. And if you haven't voted, go to go to the Twitter, the PGA Tour, uh, their Twitter account. You can vote on Matthew Wolf being in a featured group on Friday, so you can you can watch him online on PGA Tour Live. I know you've already voted. I've already voted. Uh, he is just crushing every other group that you can vote on, which is kind of cool to see. Thank goodness. No one wants to watch Jason Day and DeChambeau play a six-hour round. Yeah, so it's uh, the choices are Kevin Kisner, J.B. Holmes, Keegan Bradley, uh, or Bryson, 
Paul Casey, Jason Day, or Matthew Wolf, Roberto Diaz, and Sepp Straka. <laughs> and yeah, they, they didn't exactly help him out, did they? With the, this pairing. The Wolf group uh, has 75% of the vote. So it's, there's Heck only, yeah. yeah, it's a done deal. I wish is, I could watch him today, too. If you win by that margin, you should be able to watch him on Thursday. Well, too. I talked to somebody and they're like, what, what are we going to do if, uh, if, like Matthew Wolf goes out and shoots a 61 in one of his first two days of professional competition, but you can't watch it. <laughs> like he needs to be in a featured group, which is yeah. very true. I agree. Okay. We're going to call Marshall Scott and talk to him about Oklahoma state hoops. He attended, um, he attended practice a couple days ago. And uh, he's got some insights for us. So let's call him right now. All right. Joining us right now is Marshall Scott. Covers hoops for Pistols Firing Blog. Marshall, uh, you went to practice recently. What was your, uh, first off, how are you doing? And uh, how was practice the other day? I'm not doing too bad. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, practice was, was interesting. It's obviously not like a full-fledged practice. Those won't get started until August, I believe, is the date that they can start doing that. I think it's termed like individual workouts. So they were essentially split into two groups, but I got my first look at the the new guys, and that was obviously the big big takeaway from it. Who of the new guys? So yeah, we're talking about uh, Marcus Watson and and the Boone brothers, and uh, who am I missing? Avery Anderson, Chris uh, Harris. Chris, there we go. Uh, which of those guys kind of popped to you in terms of like, oh, this guy, like he looks like a college player right now. Definitely Marcus Watson. He looks like a – if you saw him in person, you'd go, wow, I've never seen a six six running back before. <laughs> he, he is ginormous. I've I, you know, seen film on him, obviously, from his high school things, and I was like, wow, he looks big, but I'm not sure if it's just because he's going against high schoolers. But even, you know, standing next to all of us, these guys, he still looked big. So he definitely was a guy that stood out. I was talking with uh, one of the guys from OSU and – I was like, wow, Marcus is like looks even bigger in person. And he's like, yeah, and he's quite. And then right as he said quite, Marcus like jumped, nearly hit his head on the rim and dunked and said explosive. It's like <laughs> straight from a movie or something like that. Man, I'm fired up now. It's great. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I'm giddy. Um, <laughs> did you get to talk to anybody? Did you talk to Mike Boynton? I mean, I'm sure he's he's ready to put last season behind him, and I'm sure he's thrilled with just kind of the, the recruiting class he's put together and the talent he's assembled for next year. We don't. We haven't seen all these guys a lot yet, but uh, he's got to be somewhat excited about what he's built so far. Uh, yeah, Boynton was actually in Colorado Springs for uh, his supporting Isaac Likely with Coach's Day the day that I went. But I did talk to Lindy Waters, Cam McGriff, and then uh, Marcus Watson as well. What was there? What was you know Lindy and and those guys have been there a while. What what were their thoughts on all the new guys? Um, they both said that, you know, they come in and work hard. I asked, uh, Cam specifically, cause you know, I was like, this group is coming in with a lot of hype, like more hype than any groups coming to OSU for a long time. And it's like, is there any, like, do they, have they handled it well? And he said, yeah, there's no egos involved. You know, they're here to work hard, just like all the other group of freshmen have come in. So that's, that's a good sign. Yeah. Tell, tell us what, uh, what Boynton was doing in, in uh, Colorado and, and what likely was, what was going on with him up there and kind of some semi-breaking news since Carson and I have been on the podcast likely uh, made team USA. So just explain a little bit about what that means for him for the rest of this year and, and everything that's going on with that. 
Yeah, so he just got announced that he made the team. I think it started at like 33, and then a couple of guys dropped out, and then it got cut from like 31 down to 16. Those were the or 18. Those are the finalists. And then it just got announced that he made the final 12 and will be heading to uh, Greece for the FIBA Under-19 World Cup, which is a big deal. The last two OSU players to have done it were Marcus Smart and Juwan Evans. So those are those are names you want to be you know associated with as far as OSU goes. So from here he goes to Greece. Um, at the end of the month, I believe, and then that that starts the World Cup. Yeah, like I like Likely. I thought he had a good year last year. He had, he had some big games. I never really cu- quite thought of him as a Jawan Evans type, but has he just made a leap this summer? Or is he just coming to his own? How how is he able to make the the under nineteen USA team? Because that's a that's a big time accomplishment. I think the uh, the initial invitation i guess to training camp might have come as a bit surprised but once he got in there i'm not surprised that he made the team at all because even going back to last summer for their practices before they left for their europe trip um he stood out as a guy who was like already leading even though he was just a freshman he's like this guy just came out of high school like well, how's he already here you know telling like gathering all these people and telling them where to go and stuff so i'm not surprised that whenever he got in that door that oh boy scratch when he got in that door that he was uh that he was able to take advantage of his opportunity uh, did your boy Carson's cousin Cade make the team? <laughs> he also did make the team. They uh, they both from similar areas in the uh, the Arlington area, likely from Mansfield. So you know, hopefully they become best friends and likely says a bunch of good things about Oklahoma State. <laughs> See, can, I think they can discuss the roommate situation for 2021. <laughs> See, I think that's why Mike Boynton, I'm sure, was there to cheer on Isaac Likely in Colorado <laughs> Springs. But I think we all know why he was in Colorado Springs. I mean, I mean, Marshall, this this could be a a program altering player. We talked a about coup. Watson, who a coup. Watson, we're fired up about, but Cade Cunningham apparently is just a game changer, like a, a one and done type player. Just how good is he? And, and do you think Boynton has, has a legit shot to land him? Everything that I've read thus far with all the national recruiters, it seems like OSU is definitely in the driver's seat. Um, and in saying that right now, he's ranked third for the 2020 class, but oh. everybody's talking about how he's pushing for that number one spot. So that it would be, it would be ridiculous. I'm looking at his composite score right now on 24 seven. It's a point nine nine eight eight. So not too much more up for him to go on that. Yeah, it'd be like if Gerald Green wasn't allowed to go to the NBA. Um, what uh, what what else did you talk to you guys about, or or what else did you what before going and and watching these workouts, and then after what what was the biggest shift in terms of the way that you uh, think about this team or think about things kind of going into to this next season. I know, I know that's a little hard to determine based on like, you know, two hours or however long you were there, but just what, what shifted in your mind in terms of like maybe something you didn't think before that you do think now. Um, I'm not sure if I so much just thought this, but I think it's a general consensus that these, this group of freshmen is going to come in and just like lead OSU to the promised land. And that's, you know, that's not going to necessarily be the case. They're still going to need those guys like Lindy Waters and Cam McGriff. Uh, to, to kind of lead the way until the, the freshmen get their feet under them. Lindy Waters, for example, uh, I was talking with Steve in the SID when Lindy first walked in, and uh, he said, yeah, Lindy's like added on a couple pounds. And what I noticed first about Lindy is he's got this long flowing hair now. Um, but wow. he said, yeah, Lindy's added on a couple pounds. And I was like, yeah, I can kind of see it. And then whenever I got back and I was putting a picture on uh, my article that I put out, uh, I didn't notice just how 
like more muscular he looked. He is he's he's kind of jacked now. Well, uh, that didn't answer been... your question at all. I just went on off of Sunday <laughs> Waters. He's clearly <laughs> been he's clearly been hanging out with Marcus Watson apparently. Um, yeah, I guess so. This is a big year for Mike Boynton Marshall. I mean, uh, do you think? A, do you think they're going to have you know a, a season where they can make the NCAA tournament with based on the talent returning with these new guys? And and do you think if they don't, there could be real pressure on on Mike Boynton? Uh, yeah, I think just with his recruiting, especially if he is able to land Cade Cunningham, he's going to buy himself you know another year or so. Like regardless of how this year goes, but I do think this year they're in a pretty good spot to make a push. Uh, for an NCAA title or NCAA tournament berth, um, I just last year they had seven guys and the, his two bench guys and Duncan Demuth and Curtis Jones they're already gone now. So like this this is kind of like a whole new bench for him. I imagine maybe Watson breaks into the starting lineup at some point, but I imagine day one it's going to be the same starters from last season. So I think that just with the depth, this team is going to like benefit so much more. Who do you expect to like in their? So you've got the three seniors. Dizzy's a senior, right? Yeah, he's been there for like since the nineties, I think. Uh, who who do like who who of those guys between Lindy Cam and Dizzy do you expect to sort of be the guy in uh, in this next season? I guess it wouldn't be Dizzy. I guess between Lindy and Cam. Who do you expect to be like the guy that everybody looks to like when you need a final shot, when you need a bucket, whatever? Is there is there a consensus like right now among the team behind the scenes? Like, do you do you get that feeling? Um, I'm, I'm not sure there's a consensus within the team right now, but I think it, I think it's got to be Lindy Waters. Just from you can just play his tech film from last year, or uh, even yeah. in the practice that I went to, they had a little game called King of the Court. Just a one-on-one game. The offensive player gets three dribbles, and they have to shoot. And Lindy just demolished his group. His group had Yor in it, I think. Um, Thomas Dezagua, Chris Harris, Keelan Boone. I think that was it. And he just absolutely wiped the floor with those guys in in that King of the Court game. Uh, I, forgot, you, I forgot about Yor. Yours exciting. I yeah. mean, he had a he had a big last last month of the season. I did want to ask about the Boone twins, Marshall. Do they do they? I'm sure they don't look like Marcus Watson, obviously. But do they do they look ready to play in Big Twelve basketball, or do they still kind of look like you know gangly freshmen who are going to have to adjust to the college game? Right now, they're probably leaning a little bit more towards the gangly freshmen, but they came in bigger, I think, than OSU thought they were going to, just from their recruiting profiles to what they have on the the roster, they're both like up like 15 pounds. So they're both, I, something that kind of surprised me is just how different kind of body type they are. Keelan's definitely going to be a wing player. Whereas uh, Caleb is more of the traditional post player. So I think what kind of shocked me about them was that they are so different yet being twins, but I think they still got a little bit to go, but they've obviously got the whole summer to work with the strength and conditioning staff to get there. Okay. Last one from me. I, I know you are, probably into hoops more than anything else, even though you've covered everything for us and and have done a great job. Just what is your, I don't know, what's your excitement level right now, June 20th, 2019, about Oklahoma State basketball, about Mike Boynton, about this upcoming season and and the seasons after it? Where where are you at from an excitement level perspective? 
I'm I'm quite excited, honestly. Anytime <laughs> anytime anything recruiting gets put in our Slack, anytime I'm just like really hoping it's basketball. Uh, I'd be down to skip football season. That's not a great take in the uh, Stillwater area, but I'm <laughs> I, I'm I'm always pretty excited for basketball and with what Boyne's doing. I just think like this year, you know, was supposed to be like so hype because he's got all these great recruits coming in. And then now next year, it's supposed to be like get even better from this. Like, I don't know how that's even possible. So, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Kyle's pretty excited too. He was, he was asking me if OSU was going to go five and seven in football. So he's, he's about <laughs> as fired up for football season as you are. <laughs> I wouldn't it's, say I'm, I'm anti-football season. I would just, you know, if, if basketball could start, that would be fine. I'm, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying it's at least on the table and everybody's acting like it's not on the table. I thought it was a silly question until I looked at the schedule and I was like, well, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> uh, okay, you got anything else, Carson? No, I'm good. Uh, okay, Marshall, is this the first time you come on? No, I've been on, I think maybe this is my third time I've been on. Yeah, okay. Kyle, come on, man. I, I got a lot of things going on. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't, I, I yeah, I, I apologize. Now, I, what I wanted to say is you've done awesome work this spring your baseball and softball stuff was was fantastic uh covering the spring game covering basketball uh you've done a great job and people uh i i've noticed have enjoyed it have appreciated it so uh good work marshall and uh keep it up man i appreciate that thank you for the the opportunity to do these things for sure we'll talk to you later on buddy see ya see ya Okay, Carson, what do you got? What are your takeaways? Marcus Watson, next uh, next Blake Griffin, maybe? <laughs> or maybe the next Todd Gurley? <laughs> next Todd Gurley, 6'6", six, six running back. That's pretty yeah. good. I like no, that. No, I mean, um, it's easy to forget just how exciting this basketball season is going to be because it is, it is June, and we got football coming first. But, man, I'm, I'm like Marshall. I'm fired up about basketball and just what Mike Boynton has been able to do on the recruiting trail. I mean, Kyle, what – what if they get Cade Cunningham? I know. I was, I was just thinking about that. Like the second that drops, Cunningham commits. It is. It's. Uh, I, I. I might just. Not, I might not even cover football. <laughs> well, and you mentioned like he's Gerald. Like yeah. Like the reason Gerald Green left is he went and he won the dunk contest at the McDonald's All American game, lit it up in that game, and he just had too big of a summer to where he had to go pro. Now. They at least get him for one year, so that, that's not going to happen this time around, which, which is really exciting. But we are getting ahead of ourselves. But no, I mean Watson looks like an NBA player right now, and uh, he's exciting. And I think, I think a lot of people not familiar with OSU basketball. I think when the preseason rankings will come out, OSU will be near the bottom again. But I think there people will underrate Lindy Waters and Cam McGriff and and what they're going to be able to do with these young guys. Yeah, I agree. Can I read you the top five guys from last year's class? So we're talking about sure. Cade, Cade Cunningham as, a, as the number three guy. So top five last year, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, uh, Nasir Little, Bull Bull, Zion Williamson. <laughs> is, that, is that good? The year turn before a, that. Turn a fan on in here. It's getting, it's, it's getting exciting over here. <laughs> the year before that, Marvin Bagley, Michael Porter, Mo Bamba, DeAndre Ayton, Colin Sexton. Like that's, that's the ilk we're talking here. We're talking yeah. lottery pick. Yeah, yeah. The year before that, Josh Jackson, uh, Harry Giles, Lonzo Ball, Jason Tatum, Markel Fultz. Jeez. Are, is this good or no? 
Are these, that's are, one and done, like are these on names Sports you, Center every night. Good. Are these names you want to be associated with? Last one I'll do. 2015. Ben Simmons, Scott Labassier, Brandon Ingram, number three in 2015. <laughs> Jalen Brown, Chuck Diallo. Oh, oh boy. Are you okay? I'm I'm good. Um, <laughs> Mike Boynton, man, if he pulls that off, he's. I think Marshall's right where he said that. Uh, I don't want to say buy him an extra year, but remember when when Travis Ford landed Marcus Smart and LeBron Nash, like that went a long way to, to towards winning and uh, sustaining a, you know, his job. So yeah, and and I thought I thought he had an interesting point that like, look, are they going to be really good in 1920? Probably not. Could they make the tournament? Sure. But the point was that, like, probably none of these freshmen are going to break into the starting lineup immediately. Maybe Marcus Watson. You know, we'll see. Who knows? But I think the the broader point in saying that is, like, you have to be building something. And it seems like they are. You know, there were times when we thought that with Travis Ford, too, uh, and, and it didn't work out. So there's a lot, like, kind of teetering – on the edge in terms of it could go both ways over the next couple of years with, with my boy in Oklahoma state. It's a, it's a, it's kind of a, it's kind of gut check time for him over the next two or three years. Yep. I agree. And uh, it's certainly exciting. Okay. Let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's university spirit. And we will come back and finish with one interesting thing. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, you want to talk? Uh, you want to talk wrestling? Mike Gundy's second favorite sport. <laughs> hit, hit, hit me, hit me with your one interesting thing. Before I do, did you read the quote from that story we mentioned about Gundy that he would rather clean pools and do yard work than work inside? I thought that was like the most Mike Gundy quote ever when he, yeah. he was asked what he would do if he wasn't coaching. He's like, oh, I'd be a farmer, but I wouldn't make very much money doing that. But I'd go clean a pool before I worked inside. I thought that was quintessential Gundy. That was my first job cleaning pools. It's the worst. Really? It's, yeah. It's awful. It's so hard. Everyone that has a pool just says it's a lot of work. I never yeah. had a pool. It's, it's brutal. I fell in. It, it's, it's not good. <laughs> it's, it's good that Kyle I have the pool it. boy come yeah, a long it, way. It's good that I have a, a, a job inside. Unlike Mike Gundy, it's, <laughs> it's a good thing. Well, does the shed count as inside? It's close enough. I do have like some, a hybrid. I've got ants. I need help with my ants. <laughs> I did want to talk wrestling. Um, this we probably should have spent more time on this, but man, Dayton Fix makes the world championship team. Mm-hmm. Um, he beats the kid from Iowa, uh, Thomas Gilman. He made the senior men's freestyle wrestling team at 56 or 57 kilograms, which I don't know the proper. Can I type that into my web browser and figure out what how many pounds that is? It's like it's like yeah, I have 100, no 125 pounds. There you go. It is. I was gonna say 2.1, but I don't know if that's right. But this is a huge deal. I mean, this 
this would be like Marcus Watson making Team USA with LeBron and them. That's essentially what this is. He's a, I mean, he's a freshman in college, and he's going to represent the United States at the highest level. And the last guy from OSU to do it was Coleman Scott, which Sick. was back in like 2012. I think he got the bronze medal. Uh, this is, you know, I, I joke that he's like the LeBron of wrestling, Dayton Fix, and he got totally screwed in the national championship where his headgear got grabbed and he, he you, lost in the finals. Yeah, did you see they changed the rules because of him? Are you serious? The Dayton Fix rule? It's like uh, OSU. It's so OSU, right? They they changed the BCS when they got screwed by LSU and Bama. It's like one more thing that OSU's changed the rules on. Yeah, Seth, Seth Duckworth wrote about this a couple weeks ago. They they I, I don't know the details of it. You can like bring in a th- or, or you have to bring in like a third party to review the tape now or something instead of instead of the referee that's that's refing the match. Uh, reviewing the tape, there has to be a third party brought in because a referee that's refereeing the match is like, oh yeah, like uh, of course my call is you know correct, uh, and so now you now you have to have it reviewed by a, an independent party. Well, that was the most a good thing. I agree, and, and that was the most egregious part of the whole thing. They they actually had instant replay. Yeah, they looked at it, they saw it, and they still got it wrong. Yeah, like, he got totally hosed on that, but it was cool to see him make the team, and it's. It's a really, really big deal, and and obviously John Smith. I know the kid's from Sand Springs, but he could have gone and wrestled at Penn State very easily. So John Smith's been recruiting very well too. So that that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, it is, and uh, I'm glad I'm glad for you shining a little light on uh, on wrestling. Um, my one interesting thing we actually already mentioned it. It was going to be Victor Hovland signing with Ping, uh, just because you know there's that Solheim relationship. Uh, Karsten Solheim with Oklahoma State and you know everything that goes along with that Karsten Creek yeah and uh, Jonathan Wall again had this story and and it was interesting because Hovland didn't know who he was going to sign with as recently as the Masters and he ran into just randomly the ping people just met him at the Masters and now he plays ping and it was people should go read the story. It's on golf.com. It's a, it's a really good story. And it just, it, the story paints Hovland in a really good light in terms of just, just people just like him, like love him, like just enjoy being around him. And, you know, I know that has nothing to do with the equipment you're playing, but the story will kind of explain um, just the relationship that he built with ping. And uh, he's just a very likable person person that I think is going to be easy to root for at major championships and, and as a PGA tour pro. Yeah. And there's a really good, just, just lesson in, in life in that story where the ping guys came to Stillwater and apparently he had like a four hour testing yeah. session. Yeah. And the ping guy was like, I've never had someone this locked in to one of these things. Yeah. So it's, there's a reason he is, as good as he is in his field is because he works hard and he, he pays attention. And I know that sounds like a very trite, easy thing to do, but it's a good reminder that he didn't get to where he is on accident. He got there by just, you know, hard work. And that's a, that's a good lesson to, to learn for anybody. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Good stuff, Carson. I, uh, I'm taking a few days away this weekend. Where are you going? I'm disappearing. Oh, off off the the grid. grid. Yeah. Okay. Now nah, we're just staying in Dallas, but no kids. Uh, Mrs. Pistols and I just just hanging. So uh, yeah, should be good. We'll be back next week, you and I, with another pod, and uh, hopefully we're talking about 
that uh, five hole Matthew Wolf Victor Hovland playoff on Sunday Sunday <laughs> evening at the Travelers. Oh, uh, I can't wait. I be, uh, I can't wait. Be great. But uh, yeah, enjoy your weekend, and uh, we'll we'll talk next week. Okay, talk to you later, Carson.